Hello and welcome to Rigakuru podcast. In this special episode, we will deviate from the usual 2-minute format and focus on the science and the people behind science at the School of Science of the University of Tokyo. Imagine a flock of birds making mesmerizing patterns as they fly, while a group of ants spread around like a black wildfire on a leafy ground. Now imagine a layer of bacteria or a biofilm on your kitchen sink or even dental plaque on your teeth. What do these things have in common? Our guest today studies how cells move collectively. And if you're thinking why we should care about that, you're in the right place. Well, let's find out from our guest, Assistant Professor Daiki Nishiguchi. So let's start in the beginning. So tell us about your childhood and how did your interest in science begin to start with? Uh, my interest, okay. So when I was a kid, I remember that my parents took me to some festival, science festival or science museums. And, and there I experienced some outreach activities by uh, scientists or some teachers. And I think this is a kind of foundation of my uh, interest in science. And you sort of continued on your passion from uh, from what you learned in those science festivals? Yes, I, I think, I guess so. <laughs> and so after entering high school, I founded a kind of physics club and I did some physics experiments by, by myself and showed it to some other students or some parents in the school festival. Then I participated in the uh, physics contest uh, competition in the first domestic one and then the international one, I mean the International Physics Olympiad. And during these competitions, I had a chance to actually meet the, the, the physicists or scientists in general. And I was quite impressed that they are uh, explaining, uh, I mean, explaining their own science by their own languages, and I'm quite impressed by their attitude. At that time, I saw that I want to be a scientist like them. So that was my first, I think, the first encounter with the actual scientist, and these uh, impressions always motivate me to become a scientist like them, like that. Yeah. So you've been curious uh, throughout your childhood and you did your own experiments. Yeah, yeah, And then yes. you, you, you got motivation from other scientists. Yes. Right. And can you give us an example of what kind of experiments you did as a child? I don't remember so well, but one thing I remember is in a science festival, I made a kind of, kind of mic with some springs. So I cut some pet bottles and put some long springs. And when I speak into the pet bottle, it vibrates and the strange sound of the voice comes out. And this is, I think, the only one I remember. But that was quite interesting to me. And this is, of course, related to physics. So you, you're already using, as a child, some uh, principles from physics to understand 
the world around yeah, you. Yeah, uh, unintentionally. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, and you came to be uh, curious about collective movement from there. So tell us how you got interested in what you currently work on. Ah, okay. So you mean my, yeah, my re- current research field is uh, non-equilibrium physics in general, or more specifically, active matter physics. And in these fields, I, so we, as you said, we deal with the collection of self-propelled particles like bacteria or active colloids. And Sorry, what? Active, active colloid, colloidal particles, colloids. Colloidal po- yes. particles, okay. Uh, the microscopic particles moving around in the microscale. So could you, could you, for audiences who might not know, could you explain what active matter physics or non-equilibrium mm-hmm. physics is? Okay. So the first, let me explain the equilibrium state. The equilibrium state, in, in equilibrium state, there is no current or the flow of energy. So and the system is equilibrated and basically nothing happens. But in the non-equilibrium states, for example, the some kind of flow or current exists, like the energy is flowing and some heat is transferred, or electric current is flowing and so on. And these kind of uh, flows or currents can uh, induce various interesting phenomena, like uh, like pattern formation or macroscopic uh, changes. And the, the discipline in physics to deal with this kind of non-equilibrium state is called non-equilibrium physics. And in the field of active matter physics, we study a material called active matter. And this active matter includes something like the flocks of birds or school of fish. And in, also in the microscopic scales, bacterial colonies. So in these systems, the each uh, particles, I mean, we say particles, but animals or some bacteria or particles and convert some sort of energy, like chemical energy or electric energy, into their kinetic energy. So they move around by using their uh, energies. So they convert some sort of energy into motion. These individual particles uh, uh, consume energy, and some energy is dissipated into some heat or well, flow of the fluids or airs, and this kind of flow of energy generates the macroscopic uh, behavior in active matter systems. So essentially, if I understand correctly, so if you have a group of bacteria, assume there are a group of bacteria, they're just standing, that's equilibrium, there's no motion, there's no transfer of energy, and they all start pushing each other like as if they're in a busy Tokyo street. Mm-hmm. And that's active matter physics because each one of them is interacting with the other ones and they're all pushing each other, they're transferring their energies. And yes, that's yes. active matter. Yes. Got it. Um, and in your lab, you also create uh, an array of microscopic pillars for these yes. group of bacteria. So you basically let the bacteria um, in there and then observe how they move around, how they push around as if it's a busy street. What's the rationale behind this experiment, and what did you find out? So, so we are basically interested in how the boundary interplays with the, the, the macroscopic corrective behavior of bacteria. So in, in physics, it is relatively easy to deal with the bulk system without boundaries. For example, the existence of the boundaries changes the, uh, the system quite dramatically. Biologically speaking, 
For example, in the national habitat of the bacteria, there are many boundaries. For example, bacteria are living in the soil or the surface of the host, host organisms. There are many boundaries. And the interplay between the boundary and their collective behavior should be very important. And so we wanted to investigate how the boundaries modify the collective behavior of the bacteria. So essentially what you're trying to say is if you have a large surface without any obstacles or boundaries, like a really large plate, then the way these bacteria behave with each other is slightly different compared to the way they would behave if they were to be in a restricted space with a small boundary or with obstacles or uh, something in between them. Yes, yes. So in the bulk, for example, in my experiment, the bacterial corrective behavior usually looks turbulent. Turbulent means chaotic, mm. and it's, the motion is quite randomly. And uh, at the first glance, we feel that there's no uh, order. But if we construct some microscopic pillars or some, some holes, by constructing boundaries, these chaotic collective motions spontaneously self-organizes into some ordered vortices. And we are interested in how this order emerges out of chaotic collective behavior. And this is mathematically or physically very interesting, as well as it can be biologically relevant. I mean, because the bacteria uh, or some other biological systems are living in the presence of the boundaries. So that how the boundaries changes their survival strategies might be of crucial importance. So essentially, by studying bacteria and how they move collectively, are you actually able to apply this anywhere else? What, what, why does one need to worry about how bacteria move? Why does it matter? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah. And so first of all, so our motivation is purely scientific and based, I mean, basic science. And I mean, if we, but if we understand how the boundaries rectifies bacterial motion, we may control the microbial systems to perform some desirable motion. For example, uh, we have already our current understandings can generate some kind of active microfluidic devices, such as generating uh, circular flows in the microbial systems. And this may be used for some applications. We are not specializing in the engineering, but some people might have some more specific idea on this. The controlling the microbial systems might also contribute to some material production. I mean, we may want bacteria to produce some proteins or some drugs, for example, but by controlling the corrective motion of microbial systems, uh, this may, I mean, material production might, may, may be more, become more efficient. Right, so there are, you're saying there are applications uh, which could be, uh, be it in engineering or, or biomedicine, basically. Yeah. So we may extend our understanding with the bacteria to the more uh, higher uh, systems like eukaryotic cells or human cells. I'm, I'm actually also working on human cells recently. And so our understanding from the, the 
bacteria may translate into these human or eukaryotic cells. And this may contribute to, for example, morphogenesis or developmental biologies. And this may be one of the output of the physics, uh, actimatter physics. Right. So, so you study these human cells. Could you tell us more about where you find these cells and, um, and what, uh, how they move? Mm-hmm. So, so I, I actually haven't published any paper on these uh, human cells, but I, I got interested in these human cells when I was a postdoc in Pasteur Institute in France. And there I studied the, the infectious bacteria, and we used this, uh, we used endothelial, human endothelial cells uh, as a tool to study the infection of this bacteria. And I, this, and I also got interested in these endothelial cells because they show interesting collective phenomena. So you basically study bacterial cells, human endothelial cells, which are cells that you find in blood vessels, uh, and also eukaryotic cells, uh, which is an algae. Mm-hmm. That you study. So you study an algae as well. And so you're essentially trying to understand the principles of how they all collective, collectively move yes. within a system. So if it's a human cell, how does it move? Uh, how does it move within the blood vessel to, to form newer blood uh, vessels? Yeah, yeah, right? for example, yes. Okay. And in your lab, uh, when I visited uh, the other day, you showed me something called Janus particles. Ah, yes. They are basically slightly bigger than bacteria, uh, and they look like s- spheres. Yes. One of the hemisphere of the of the sphere is a metal, and the other one is a silica, uh, and, th- and they sort of look like a pearl, uh, and they all move together yes. in, in, in a solution that you put them in. What is this, and, and what do you, uh, why are you studying these? Yeah, I'm studying various uh, active matter systems, and the idea is to find a kind of universal rule that is common to different systems. So of course, uh, the different system has different individual behaviors. But what we expect from the statistical physics point of view is that in a macroscopic scale, uh, we, we expect some universality, irrespective of what they are made of. I mean, the flux of colloidal genus particles, or bacterial swarms, or the the, the collection of algae or human cells might have some common properties. And this is basically what we are interested in. And of course, uh, uh, we also need to study the individual uh, motion of these materials. And of course, there are some differences. And these differences may uh, result in different macroscopic behavior. So basically, it is imp- uh, to my... Uh, opinion, it is interesting and important to study what is universal and what might not be universal, and individual difference, uh, how the individual difference results in the macroscopic difference and how robust the universality is. And this is the reason why I use different uh, systems to study the, the active matter physics. Right, so it's essentially a way for you to recreate what happens in a biological system, like a flock of birds or fish 
or bacteria moving uh, to sort of recreate that in your own way in the lab mm-hmm. uh, and see if they all follow similar kind of rules. Right? Yes, yes, that's one thing. But in the, the advantage of the Janus particles is that so our Janus particles is, is driven by the electric field, and actually it's an AC electric field, the alternating electric field. So we can uh, control the, their behavior and the interactions by simply changing the, the frequency and the, and the amplitude of the applied voltage. And also we can change the concentration, ion concentration of the uh, solution of the Janus particles. And these three parameters can fine-tune the interactions. And we can, for example, imitate the behavior of the bacteria, or we can change the interaction to see different microscopic behavior. So we are interested in what kind of microscopic uh, interaction generates the order in the flocking uh, materials. And this, in this sense, Janus particle is, is a very good material. And as you said, of course, we want to study how the how how the phenomena observed in biological systems can be reproduced in the artificial systems, and by doing the experiment both in biological and artificial I mean non-biological systems, we may finally reach a solution of what distinguishes the biological systems and non-biological systems. I mean what I mean ultimately we may answer what life is. Uh, what is life? So this is the ultimate question I want to answer. I, I think. Right. So so essentially, you play God when you when you're trying to manipulate these particles and see if you can <laughs> actually God, yeah. sort of right. Yes. Um, and, and if you can actually recreate what bacteria do, and if you can't recreate something that the bacteria does, then that is something that that is a property of the system, a property of this living system, as opposed to yeah. an artificial system that you have. Right, that sounds really fascinating to me, and I'm sure you get a lot of um, uh, audiences when you when you attend parties uh, where you talk about science. So, can you tell us about something, some fact that you share uh, with your friends when you're at a party? Okay, so so that right, what I think is most interesting in my research is that we can generate some order in the microbial systems. When the density is small, uh, the bacteria or dense particles are swimming in random directions as they want, but at high density, they interact more and becomes uh, corrective, and the, and the corrective motion appears. But these corrective motions, in particular in the bacterial corrective motions, are usually uh, chaotic and looks very turbulent and very many vortices are randomly appearing and disappearing. But by using some uh, techniques like fabricating micro uh, obstacles or confining them in uh, uh, very thin fluid layers, uh, they can spontaneously form very beautiful order, like like vortices are uh, rotating in different directions next to each other which we call anti-fermentic vortex order, which is, I think, very beautiful. So these kind of uh, unexpected macroscopic uh, beautiful corrective behavior can be generated experimentally by using some 
simple experimental techniques. This phenomena is uh, simply beautiful, but uh, the, the mathematics and physical principle behind this uh, phenomena is much more beautiful. And after learning these kind of beautiful physics, we can enjoy these kind of uh, experimental movies much more. And this is what I think is the most interesting part of my research. And I really want to show the movies to the, my friends in, at the party. Right. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you have a lot of uh, captive audiences. Yeah. Um, just looking at the way they move, actually, almost looks like an art form, right? As they, as they move around mm -hmm. over time, yeah. it looks like art in front of you. Um, and if, if somebody wants to look at your videos, where can they find them? Ah, so in my homepage, I put some movies, a link to the movies in which I explain my experiments. And also uh, we have some outreach movies in which we show some movies and some explanations. So you can simply visit my homepage and enjoy the beautiful images and movies. Great. Um, uh, I think we'll also put a link to your website okay, in great. the podcast so uh, whoever is interested can actually... Uh, visit your website and check out the patterns and the art that the bacteria makes. Yeah, great. I saw a picture of you on the summit of uh, Mount Fuji. Mm -hmm. um, so is that, is that a hobby or do you completely turn off after work or does your hobby in any way or form affect your work? Yeah, my hobby may be related to work. So I... So as you may guess, I'm, I like animals, and so I like uh, going to a zoo or an aquarium in, on holidays or weekends. And in, when I go there, I enjoy the school of fish or some collection of animals and think about what kind of physical principles are behind their motions. And this also sometimes... Uh, give me some idea on my experiment. And yeah, my, my hobby or my everyday life might be related to research and the research is also related to everyday life. And I think the relation between everyday life and the research is the characteristic of the non-equilibrium physics. And non-equilibrium physics usually deal with the everyday phenomena like, as I said, like flocks of birds and other things. Uh, there are many other no uh, phenomena in non-equilibrium physics related to everyday life, like cracks in the walls or the bubbles in the kitchens and so on. For any students who might be interested in science in general or uh, active matter physics uh, in particular, do you have any advice for our listeners? Yes, the students interested in physics, or even if not interested in physics, uh, I'd like to encourage them to pursue their own interest. And eventually, I think these interests may be connected to each other, and you may find some uh, fields that matches your uh, interest. And that, that, in my case, that was the active matter physics. I didn't know active matter physics until I, I entered or contacted the, the laboratories. And, but uh, my interest in biology or granular physics or many other stuff are connected somehow to active matter physics. And so in this sense, I, 
I, I encourage all of you to study anything you are interested in. Right. So basically, follow your passion and yes, and, yes. and and pursue uh, avenues to improve or or get more uh, information about those passions. Yes, that, that's a great advice. And thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time for more science as we explore the interesting research done at the School of Science of U Tokyo.